Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And I am joined by Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Good morning, Mary, on this holiday weekend. Good morning, Denny. Great to hear your voice again. And yours as well. Uh, Mary helps you and uh, our listeners out, and, and me too, for that matter, uh, quite often each week here on WCC. It's called Smart Garden, and we appreciate your calls and your text messages. Same number applies for either, which is uh, whatever is easier for you. If you want to ask Mary a question by phone, 651-989-9226, or you can send a text, same number, 651 989 9226. We're already getting a bunch of text messages, Mary, but I wanted to ask you before we uh, get underway, uh, in fact, I think we might um, pay a visit this weekend to the uh, Apple House, and that's uh, that opened up, what, a couple of weeks ago, I think. Yes, the Apple House opened on August 28th, and we have a variety of apples out there. This is just beyond the Arboretum entrance, you continue barely a mile past it on Route 5, and you'll see a sign there for the Apple House. It's open um, every day. We have a variety of apples grown here in Minnesota, and of course, some of them are the uh, ones that will be the next introduction from the University of Minnesota. But if you go to the Arboretum website, arboretum.umn.edu, there is a link there for the Apple House and a phone number. So best idea is to call the phone number. It's a recorded message of what apples are available for sale Mm. that day. So you can call that number and find out what's for sale. Uh, Now we have the early apples like Zestar. So uh, great great place to visit this time of year it, and it is it is a fun time of year It's my favorite time of year anyway but that's 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 one of the uh, the features is that apple house well i can tell you what i'm going to be doing tomorrow getting underway uh, is not not only fertilizing but i'm going to be uh, fixing up some areas that need to be seeded it's a great time of year isn't it Yes, this is a perfect time of year to work on your lawn. Uh, our cool season grasses grow best right now in the cool weather that we're having. Uh, we tend to have more rain this time of year than what we, well, although we had quite a bit of rain this summer, uh, especially through August. But uh, higher uh, moisture conditions in the soil and cooler temperatures are good for our lawn grasses. Uh, grasses that are already growing continue to form good root systems, so fertilizing a lawn is great. And then, right, seeding bare spots or any areas where you don't have grass growing, this is the best time for germinating. 
vaccination. So uh, from the middle of August through the end of September is when we recommend seeding. And normally uh, this time of year, we would be at the Minnesota State Fair doing our show. Oh, yes, Denny, we had a wonderful time there last year. I I think it was last year that I brought the cake, and we had our eighth anniversary celebration. So this year we're at nine years, so maybe next year we'll have another cake at the fair again. (laughs) I can't believe it. This is the ninth anniversary of our show. Wow. Yes, nine years. Well, we have a lot of wonderful listeners. We've gotten a lot of ideas from listeners. I, you know, we, we just wrapped up a survey that we had and we had many people, hundreds of people responded to the survey about the, the smart garden show that gave us a lot of ideas for, uh, continuing to improve this show. So we couldn't do it without all your great listeners, Denny. We have a bunch, that is for sure. Well, I tell you what, let's, uh, let's uh, help out a couple here. Um, in fact, somebody just wanted to know, can we just go to the Apple House or do we need a reservation? You can go to the Apple House without a reservation. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to uh, get a ticket because it is uh, just really like going in a retail store. So we do have recommendations about uh, wearing a mask and, of course, the hours when the Apple House is open. So uh, it's right now it's from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Okay. And right on the website, if you go to the homepage on the Arboretum website, the number is there to call to make sure uh, the apple variety you want will be there for sale. Here is a text, Mary, that says, my ostrich ferns are turning brown and are ugly now. Can I cut them back? Yes, you can. As a matter of fact, I decided that this this is the best time of year to think about dividing or moving uh, ostrich fern. They do tend to brown out by this time of year. Sometimes I think it's a natural dormancy that comes on. Other times it might be anthracnose, which is a common disease we see in a lot of perennials this time of year. So you can cut them back if you don't like the brown look of them. Or if you want to think about dividing them, I, I would think about doing that now. Okay. Another text says this, Mary, I'm growing butternut squash and some are green. Are these going to be edible and what would cause this? Right. So butternut squash start out green, uh, yellowy, greenish, and then they turn brown as they mature. So they take pretty much our whole growing season. So hopefully we'll have another month of weather when the squash can still mature. Uh, A good idea is to really look at the uh, seed packet or the label when you bought that squash, if you can determine exactly what cultivar it is. You can, sometimes it's still on the label about how many days it takes to harvest. If it's a specific cultivar, you can look that up online and you can see the number of days to harvest. But I pretty much let butternut squash uh, just, they're, they're out there till the frost comes because they take most of our growing season. All right, very good. The listener wants to know, do you, you yourself have apples at your house? Do you grow apples, Mary? <laughs> I 
have one tree. I've had a number of trees over the years, and right now I have one Zestar tree. And that tree is uh, in its biennial bearing, which is not so great, but it's a huge crop this year. I think overall this is a very good year for apple crops. Um, I know at the Arboretum, We've had a wonderful uh, apple crop. We had a little bit of uh, hail damage early in August, but overall this is a very good year for apple crop production. Very good. Uh, let's go to the phones real fast here. Jane is, uh, I believe, calling in from Lakeville this morning. Jane, you are on with Mary. Hi. Um, I was just wondering, is it um, a good time to prune, like, wajilia or some of the fire bushes, or do we wait to spring to prune those? Um, Jane, you really should wait until spring. At this point, this is the time of year when we have the recommend the least amount of pruning. With our flowering shrubs, you're often cutting off the flower buds when you prune at this time of year. And the other thing is our winter, which is, we, unfortunately, we are approaching, and pruning induces growth in plants. And we really don't want to have new growth as we're going into winter because that means uh, injury. So I would wait till spring. Right after they flower is the best time to prune flowering shrubs. Very good. If you want to call in your garden question, lawn or garden question to Mary, 651-989-9226. There is a line open. Or send a text, eight, uh, uh, same number, by the way, same number, whatever is easier, 651-989-9226. Mary, let's take a quick break here. We'll be back on the other side with more of our Smart Garden Show here on News Talk 830 WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. Mary, let's give, uh, I know we have to grab some calls here and text, but let's get that university website mentioned uh, because it's such a great resource. Yes, Denny. Uh, it's extension.umn.edu, and you can click on Learn, and it will come up with Yard and Garden, and you can find lots of information there. Absolutely. We'll mention that again, certainly before Mary takes her leave today. Let's go back to the phones on this Saturday morning. Dorothy, I believe, has been waiting there in Minneapolis. Dorothy, you're on with Mary. Hi. I have questions on aerating my lawn. I've got some brown patches and some thatch, and I'm wondering if aeration is a good idea. I would hire somebody to do it, and I'm just wondering how often should a lawn be aerated, and should I consider overseeding afterwards? Uh, great questions, Dorothy. Yes, <clears throat> this is a great time to aer- aerate your lawn. And if you hire someone, that's a very good idea because they have the right equipment. Uh, I don't know of any homeowner who has a great uh, aerator for their own lawn. So having good equipment is important. You want something that actually pulls out the plugs of soil, and um, they that requires a fairly uh, big and very specialized machine. So how often you need to have it done really depends on what kind of grass you've got in your lawn. You know, the, the big elite lawns and uh, uh, golf courses, they are doing this every year. It's an annual event for them. But for homeowners, every three years or so is probably enough. 
And oh, your other question was, yeah, reseeding on top of it. Yeah, that's a good time to reseed because the aeration opens up uh, soil to seed contact areas, areas where the seed can get down to the soil. So, yes, great time to do this. Boy, it really makes a difference too. Uh, we have such compact clay soil here that that uh, it just makes a world of difference when uh, when uh, right compact seeding. soil yeah. is improved with aeration, and then the elite Kentucky bluegrasses that do develop a lot of fat just because of the way they grow. That uh, aeration helps to um, alleviate that fat. Maria Texter says, "When can I transplant a smoke bush?" Well, um, maybe you could do that right now. I, I would, I, th- I think I'd wait and do that in the spring. Smokebush is a marginally hardy plant. We tend to see a lot of dieback on that in the springtime. It comes back uh, from the base and lives. But I would wait and do that in the spring. The chances you are you could lose the whole plant if you do it uh, in the fall because it's not a real hardy plant. Okay. Let's go back to the phones. Uh, Mary is calling from Bloomington. Mary, you are on with Mary. Hi, I love your show. We watch it. We listen to it every weekend. Um, I have a Christmas cactus that I'm having trouble getting to bloom, and I believe I've heard on the show before that it needs cooler temperatures uh, for the evening or part of the day. And I'm just wondering, uh, the only place I can really put it is in our attached garage. And I'd like to know what the cooler temperature should be and how long I should leave it uh, out there for. In addition, we don't have any windows in the garage, so it wouldn't be getting any light unless, you know, obviously the door is open. Thanks for taking my call, and I'll hang up and listen. Okay, Mary, uh, don't put it in your garage uh, because light is more important than cool temperatures for a cactus to keep living and hopefully bloom. Uh, if you cool temperatures is one way you can get the cactus to bloom, and by cool I mean um, basically in the fifties. And how long a time do you need for at least a couple weeks uh, for that to cool temperatures to set the buds? But the other thing is short days will do it. So we are quickly, unfortunately, advancing here to the short days of Minnesota. So once we get past the equinox, the end of the month, um, that becomes short days. And about a month of short days will induce the uh, flower buds on Christmas cactus. But the, the issue is is that most of the time we turn on lights in our house, and so we no longer have this short day. So I would think about putting it in a room that you don't use much in the evening, where it has good sunlight conditions, but where you don't necessarily uh, turn the lights on in the evening. So that's e- either way, short days or cool temperatures, and you need a minimum of two weeks of this, two to four weeks in order for the buds to set. Okay. There's a text, Mary, that says, we have a burning bush that took a hit several winters ago and looked dead. Uh, We hung with it. Uh, We trimmed it back. And this year, it had quite a bit of new, healthy-looking growth. We continue to prune any dead branches. But now, after looking healthy all summer, it is starting to have some of the healthy branches dry up and wilt. What's causing this? Gosh. 
you know, you might have to give up on this burning bush. Uh, the injury was so great two winters ago that most of those plants just outright died. And that was unusual, but it was the winter conditions, and uh, most people gave up on those. I saw one of these burning bushes the other day that kind of looked like it was half dead and half alive because that's basically what happened it just almost outright died so if it doesn't look good now i i would really consider taking it out and replanting something else because the the severity of that winter was just too much too much for it yeah. all right let's see uh, al i think is calling in from st paul this morning to ask you a question al you're on cco with mary i'm just going to say that uh if you want to aerate yourself, you can usually uh, rent, rent one from your local hardware store. Yeah, I, I did that once year and it uh, a few years ago, and it's very heavy to haul back and forth, and it almost ran away with me. <laughs> so. <laughs> okay, there's a voice of experience with an aerator. Yeah, so, right, well, that's, that is good to know. You can rent them. Uh, right, operating them and getting them back and forth, you know, that, that could be uh, issues people don't want to deal with. But thank you, Al, for that idea. So, And it's absolutely. true, right, you can rent a lot of equipment. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Al. Uh, somebody wants to know, can I seed my wildflowers now? Uh, you can seed wildflowers now. Um, I'm not sure how many of those are actually going to come up, but some might. Uh, most people have better luck with either a dormant seeding of wildflowers, and this would be when you put the seed down in November, when you don't expect it to come up this fall, but it will come up earlier in the spring, or they seed the wildflowers in May and June. So now is kind of an iffy time. Uh, I would say only if you can't do it as a dormant seeding or in May or June. Very good. Mary, we need to take a break. So hang in there. News Talk 830 WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Mary Meyer from the University <laughs> of Minnesota helping you out on this Smart Garden Saturday. Uh, we have callers, Mary. We have texters, as usual. So uh, let's get back to it. And uh, don't forget, if you're just joining us, uh, Mary, we talked, uh, as you know, uh, the opening of the show about the Apple House. And I really urge people to get out there to uh, check out. That's a really a great place, a great feeling, especially this time of year. Right. That's right, Danny. Great to visit the Arboretum. And you don't need a ticket to go to the Apple House. That's open 9 to 6. Uh, you do need a ticket if you're going into the Arboretum to take a walk and uh, enjoy the outdoors. Absolutely. All right, let's go back to the phones. Mary Lou, I think, is uh, calling in from Crystal this morning. Mary Lou, you are on with Mary. Yes, good morning. Uh, I have a question about a laetris. If they bloom in the summer, can I transplant them in the fall or the, or the spring? The spring is a better time to transplant liatris, the blazing star. That's one of our native plants. Because it blooms in the fall, most of its resources are up in the top of the plant right now, not as much in the corms or the root system. Liatris has an interesting uh, root system with that corm, so there is quite a big storage structure down there, but spring is a better time for division. Okay. A texter says this, I have a lot of grass in my mulched perennial beds. What's the easiest way to remove it? 
Oh, gosh, I, I hate to tell you, the, easy, the easiest way is still just hand weeding. Grass in perennial beds is really tough. Um, the herbicides are chemical control, specifically for grasses. There are some of those. Most of the, the best ones work on pre-emergence with seed germination and don't work as well with existing plants that are out there. So unfortunately, it's just weeding. Um, that's still the best uh, practice. Okay. Listener wants to know, what's the latest update on lilac dieback? Will it come back next year? Oh, gosh, we're all waiting to see what's going to happen with the lilacs next year. I am optimistic in that uh, lilacs are, are good, tough shrubs for us. So I am hopeful that uh, they do come back. You know, it, it's a, actually a normal practice at the Arboretum for some of our old lilac hedges to actually cut them down to the base every, you know, eight, 10 years, and they rejuvenate totally from the base. So they do have a, a, a good track record of coming back, but the complex of diseases that hit lilacs this summer was uh, puzzling, even for plant pathologists to determine actually uh, were, they, were they killed, because a lot of these were normally what we think of as minor leaf spot diseases and bacterial diseases. So um, we will just have to wait and see what happens next spring. Okay. Let's go back to the phones, Mary. I think James has been waiting there in Hutchinson to ask you a question. James, what is your question for Mary? Hi, Mary. My, why they died oh. so early this year. And like I just, just before me answered it for me, so that was very helpful, okay? All right, okay, I, I James. Think, uh, I hear that question. Could you hear that, Denny? No, I did not. It, the, the the cell kind of cut out there, but evidently we, you had already answered his question, so he was he was thankful. <laughs> Whatever it was, he was thankful for that. Good. <laughs> that helps. Say, so I got a reminder about the uh, uh, the Arb Gala coming up here in the matter oh, of days. Yeah. What's going on there? Yeah, so this is the Arboretum Gala. Normally, this is held in June every year, but it's very different this year. We're holding it, not only holding it in September, September 17th, but this is open to anyone who would like to register at no charge. So that's very different. Of course, this will be an online virtual event, but this is a way to find out more about the Arboretum and um, and to uh, donate to the Arboretum. So if you're a, a member, you're probably aware of it, but anybody can come and join the online virtual um, event. So yes, more information about that is up on the Arboretum website, and that, that should be a really uh, fun event. We should talk, we'll talk about it next week as well uh, on the show, I'm sure. Thank you, Denny. All uh, right, let's see here. Uh, the texter wants to know two, uh, two questions. What's the best time and the best way to move hydrangea? Okay, the best timing for hydrangea is also in the spring. And the best way is to uh, get a couple of strong people. The bigger your hydrangea, 
the more difficult it will be to move because that can be a that can be a big plant with a large uh, root system. So just in the spring, even just before it starts to grow, I would dig as large a root ball as you can, prepare the hole where you're going to plant the hydrangea, and uh, and good luck. <laughs> Very good. Uh, back to the phones we go. I think Ken is uh, waiting there in Blaine. With a question, Ken, what's your question for Mary? Yes, look, uh, good morning. Uh, I have several uh, Jack in the Pulpit uh, plants, and uh, they now have these red berries. Uh, and I'm, I think those are, are seeds, actually, or will be seeds. So I was wondering, how do I uh, handle those uh, those red berries, and uh, so that uh, they can? And when do they? When do you plant them? And can you just give me more information on that? Uh, yes, Ken. This is actually pretty easy and good for you in spotting those. So the Jack in the Pulpit has those red seeds, and red is uh, when they're getting to be mature. They will start to fall off fairly easily. Uh, when you just pull your hand along the seeds, they'll start to come off. When they start to fall off is when they are ripe. And it, this is really easy because you just take the seed and you scatter them into the wooded area, shaded area where you want them to grow. So I have done this several times, and I now have a lot of jack-in-the-pulpits coming up. Um, the only uh, concern I've ever had with these is that uh, they are eaten by wildlife. So sometimes before you can scatter the seeds, sometimes small animals, uh, chipmunks, squirrels, and so on, will actually find the seeds and eat them before you can scatter them. So I would just watch to see that you can do that before the animals get to them, and then they will grow on their own pretty much quite easily if you plant them under um, trees or in a wooded area. They're a natural uh, native plant that grows in the uh, woods in Minnesota. Listener wants to know, Mary, do deer like to eat dahlia flowers? Do you know? Um, I have not had personal experience with deer eating dahlias. I'm sure some of our listeners probably have, but... uh, I would say uh, maybe <laughs> deer will eat anything. They're just kind of amazing what they will eat and when they will eat. But um, I uh, don't have any reason to believe that deer are especially, or that dahlias are especially um, uh, safe from deer. I would say probably. Probably. All right. <laughs> uh, let's go back to the back to the phones. Like you said, they eat just about everything. Jerry is calling in from Minnetonka this morning. Jerry, you're on CCO with Mary. Good morning, Mary. Say, Mary, I got a bunch of potted annuals in my front yard, and they're beautiful. But what can I, can I, any way I can save them or not? <laughs> you know, if I have to bring them in or whatever. <laughs> So this depends on exactly what annuals they are. You know, there are many things that we grow as showy uh, tropicals, the penicetum, that purple grass, uh, some of the dracaenas are spike plants, geraniums, so many big showy annuals. They put on a big show when the weather is warm, but as soon as we start getting into the 40s or certainly at frost, 32, these plants are going to die. 
so you have to protect them from uh, cold, and the and then they need a lot of sunshine. So if you've got bright, sunny windows, south-facing windows, you might get some of these containers to live through the winter, but if you don't have really good sunlight conditions, it's really difficult. Okay. Let's see who is next on the phone. Sally is calling in from Richfield this morning. Sally, you are on with Mary this morning. Hi, Mary. Um, I'd like to know if I can put vegetable greens, you know, all the um, stems and stuff, into the compost. And how about, like, potatoes, cucumbers, squash, that kind of thing as well? Uh, Yes, Sally, you definitely can put all of that in your compost pile. Uh, No meat products in the compost pile, but all those vegetable scraps and so on, that is what we refer to as the green part of our compost pile as opposed to the brown, which are really uh, things like brown leaves and so on. But all the green part, uh, yes, that's great to add to your compost pile. Very good. Let's take a quick break here, Mary, and we have more uh, Smart Garden Show to come here on CCO Radio. 651-989-9226 is the phone number and the text number. We'll be right back here on News Talk 830 WCCO. And welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. We're around every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour. Thanks to folks, uh, good folks like Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota helping you out each and every week. And as usual, Mary, we still have callers and we still have texters before we uh, we let you go. Let's give that, to, before you do go, let's give that website at the University of Minnesota website. It's a great resource. Right. Extension.umn.edu. Just click on Garden and you can find all of your garden questions answered there. You can learn what weed do I have, what insect do I have. You can look up timely things to do, things to do now in September, uh, if you've had magnolia scale, there are some recommendations up there about treating magnolia scale. That's the this is the time of year to do things like that. So timely information at extension.unn.edu. Excellent. Uh, let's go to the phones. I think Barb is waiting there in Maplewood to uh, ask you a question. Barb, you're on CCO with Mary. Good morning. I have a beautiful fifty-something-year-old crimson king. Maple, I think it is. It's the burgundy, deep burgundy leaves. And it's been shedding all summer some kind of seed. And the airplane type have been dropping. I'm just waiting for them to stop. But they've been dropping on my driveway for a month or more. And... I'm just wondering how long this process takes. It's never happened before in 50-some years. And I have another question about the killer bees. Are they around here? We have had at least two huge, huge fat insects that are the shape of a bumblebee, but they're, I think they're black. They're, they're, I don't see any stripes what do you think, Mary? Okay, well, the, the uh, Crimson King maple seed shedding, uh, I think probably what's happening is th- this is just a mast year, M-A-S-T, 
team last year for that tree. Uh, that's what we call it when a tree sheds a, or produces a huge amount of seeds. And um, it it is just a normal process for the tree. It's actually a sign that it's very healthy, that it has a lot of food reserves. It can make seeds and it's putting out a lot of seeds. So sometimes the environmental conditions will cause this. We've had a wonderful warm season. We've had a lot of rain. So the tree has a lot of resources. It's a good, healthy sign. Uh, as far as when it's going to quit, uh, well, uh, when the season ends is when it's going to quit, and you'll see it. So it's just a consequence of having uh, a healthy tree. And really nothing you can really do about that. Okay. So, And then as far as the killer bees, so I'd recommend that you go to the website and look up uh, at extension.umn.edu. You can even put killer bees in there. But uh, we don't have those at all in Minnesota. They're nowhere near uh, us. As far as I know, that those the instance of that was eradicated in the Pacific Northwest. What you're probably seeing are cicadas, uh, these giant locusts that are, or cicada that, uh, does overwinter in the soil and they come out and they're a very large insect. Most of the time when we find these, they are already dead. So they're not uh, a problem. Uh, I like to just teach my grandkids about insects when I see one of these because they're not uh, especially common. But you can look up insects and see lots of pictures of those on the Extension website. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff Hahn has been helping us out for many years around CCOLAN, hasn't he? Long time. Yes, and, and actually, you know, if you have a picture of an insect and you can't figure out what it is, that's another thing you can use the Ask a Master Gardener website that's part of our, uh, part of extension.umn.edu. And you can send in your pictures of insects. Uh, Jeff uh, does like to get pictures of insects, especially unusual ones, because that's the way he can find out what's out there as well. Very good. I know we have uh, about three and four minutes to go. Uh, let's see. Here's a question about my Boulevard garden, Texter says. I put the garden uh, in two years ago. I did not do any soil prep. I just killed the weeds with cardboard covered with mulch. Then I cut out spots to insert the plants. The plants are doing poorly, which I assume is due to bad soil. What's the best way to improve the soil without adding more soil height? The best way to improve the soil without adding soil height. So that, yeah, that's tough in the boulevard garden because, of course, if it gets too high, it's going to um, have soil in the street, and you don't want that. So uh, <laughs> there's really not an easy answer here because... You, you, if you want to improve the soil, you've got to dig down and add compost, add organic matter to the soil, grass clippings that haven't got a herbicide on them. But all of that requires tilling into the soil. So, you know, this sounds like a big project. So I would, I would do certain sections or maybe just two or three plants and, uh, remove those plants, dig in those areas and, uh, 
and see if soil really is the problem or perhaps it was the type of plant that you put in. So there are some plants that will do better in a boulevard garden than others. We actually have a list of those that we put on uh, up on the website as part of our um, 30 plants, the best plants for 30 tough sites. We talked about boulevard gardens in there and listed perennials and even small trees that could work in those situations. So I'd look that up on the website and think about, yeah, working in a small area to see if it is the soil or is it uh, the plant. Okay. With two minutes to go, here's another text, Mary. It says, I'm getting rid of some buckthorn in my yard today. Wondering if I can put it into a wood chipper or if that will make the problem worse and spread the buckthorn. Uh, No, if you put it in a wood chipper, you will chop it up. Buckthorn spreads by seeds. Uh, the seeds, or if you don't dig up the roots totally, it will grow back from the roots. But chipping it up, that should be no problem. But uh, you just want to make sure you're not putting any plant parts that have seeds in there. So the seeds normally will drop off and they're a small black seed. And um, you should be able to tell that um, that if, if you've got seeds on it, don't, don't put it in a chipper. But otherwise, uh, it'll, it should be fine. So the last uh, 60 seconds here, a couple of words of advice. Get to the Apple House, and by all means, if you can, uh, get to the Arboretum as well. It's right nearby. That's right, and all the information on that is up on the website. You want to call the Apple House. They'll tell you what plants are available. There are grapes now for harvest as well and some apple pies, other things like that that are available. And then, yes, the Arboretum website you can uh, reserve a time to go. You can go this afternoon. So there's lots of available tickets. And then all the uh, gardening advice is at extension.unn.edu. Excellent. Mary, great job. Thanks so much. And uh, you have a great Labor Day week and the rest of it. Thanks for sharing some of it with us. You too, Denny. Always a pleasure. Take care. Mary Meyer from the University of Minnesota. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.